Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got David Feldman online. David, how are you? Doing good. Excited to excited to chat with you today, Michael. Likewise, likewise. You've got a really great story that has some twists and turns over the last few years. So why don't you share a little bit about you and your organization with the audience, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Uh, sure thing. I am the founder and president of 3OWL, where uh, I tell people we are a creative agency um, at the intersection of data, creative, and technology. Uh, so I, I'd say our Central offering is web development, app development, but also bringing in a lot of systems, so custom online ordering platforms, API integrations, figuring out how we can save our clients operational hours through great tech. Uh, and we make sure that it looks beautiful and we've got the data to report it. Um, the other you know, big journey I've been on is a lot of us had to restructure our businesses when COVID hit, and I certainly... Did a major restructure, which I, you know, talk to you a lot more about today, Michael. But you know, the happy ending to the story is we downsized, we rebuilt it, and we rebuilt it better. And that's a story of triumph because the pandemic did that for a lot of businesses, and a lot of businesses, unfortunately, have gone away because they weren't able to withstand you know, the challenges that the pandemic faced. But based on the work that your organization does, I anticipate that you had quite a bit of business growth because so many organizations that were told, sorry, you can't operate a storefront. All of a sudden they're like, we need to get a web presence, even though, you know, we're and at that point it was 2020 and online shopping and everything like that was there. But for a lot of businesses, they may have had a website, but there was really nothing going on with it other than just here's our hours, here's our location, here's a couple pictures. Uh, and you know, obviously, people want to buy things if they can't physically go in your store. They want to be able to buy. And there was a lot of people I know in, in conversations that I've had over the last few years that they really wanted to buy local. They really wanted to support local businesses, especially in a time of need. But many of those organizations weren't necessarily set up for that. So it created a lot of problems. We work with a lot of restaurants. A lot of those are multi-unit restaurant groups. As you can imagine, having a better online ordering platform, less friction uh, was a huge deal. They are up against the marketplaces, the Uber Eats and the DoorDashes. They want access to their customers. If you order through Uber Eats, you don't get the data. If you order through your channel, you get the customer's email address. You can build a relationship with them. And that was so important during that time was being able to actually speak to your customers. And uh, we have been talking to a lot of these clients for years about really improving their technology. And we have finally had the opportunity to do it. And it's definitely accelerated from there. The other thing that happened that I thought was interesting, two of our biggest clients within a month of each other had the same phone call with me. David, we're considering firing our really big global agency and moving all of our work to you because we like how small your agency is. And we like the white glove treatment we get. We like that we can have access to you. And for what it's worth, the work gets done faster and better. That happened twice in a month. 
And I thought there is, there is a shift that is happening. This is not just happening to my agency. That was really the seed that sprouted into the book that I wrote, um, Small by Design, The Entrepreneur's Guide for Growing Big While Staying Small. I realized there was a paradigm shift happening not in just my industry, but across a lot of industries. So the whole idea of the book is if you got a small service business, especially in the B2B space, if you structure it well, you can compete against the bigger competitors. You can outcompete them. The book very intentionally was not a how to build a marketing agency. I interviewed people across a lot of different industries, clinical research, experience design, construction management, hospitality. So it was really interesting to hear to hear stories and uh, systems that were built across so many different industries. But a lot of folks experienced what I did during the pandemic who were well-structured. So that's really what the book is about. It's a playbook. It also has a lot of great stories uh, around how to structure a small business in a way where you truly can out-compete the bigger competition. And I'm sure your experiences, and we'll, we'll talk on this in a moment with when you had to originally downsize your organization to meet the needs and you know be able to stay alive. But I know for a fact that this book obviously hit a nerve because Wall Street Journal, top USA Today, top list, you know, so the book has done extremely well because it hits on a subject that we, you and I, and everybody that's listening knows, or they should know, is that shift has coming. People want to do business locally. If we go back generations, that's what everybody did. We went into town on the weekend and we went to the stores up and down Main Street and we bought everything we needed our, from groceries to uh, clothing to books to you know whatever else people were buying. They weren't buying Nintendo Switches or anything like that back then, but you know they were probably playing board games or toys or things like that. And that was up and down Main Street. And you knew the owners. They knew you. And there's... A desire. And I think one of the things that the pandemic brought to light, among many things, was our desperate need for interaction with each other. You know, a, a deeper connection than than what we were dealing with before. Social media is awesome. I mean, there's a great way to get information. Hopefully, it's truthful. But that's another story and another conversation. But it's a great tool. But I find social media has made things somewhat antisocial in how we interact with some people. So having those true, meaningful connections, knowing you know, the waitress's name at a local restaurant by the first name to you know, understanding you know, a store. You know, there's, I, I'm fortunate enough, I live really close to a mall. So it's really within walking distance for me. So I, I'm in there frequently buying different things. Now, you know, some of them are big stores, but some of them are local independent organizations. And they recognize me because I'm in there frequenting a lot. And I, I like that because I'm helping them out. They're helping out the community. They're helping me out. They're giving me a product or service that I want. And the money is staying in our community. And I think everybody wanted to do that. And of course, the work that you did, especially with like the restaurants and everybody else that you worked on, was so important. So again, this congratulations on the book, by the way, but also I, I, I know it hit a nerve and I know people are going, okay, this is something that I can do because going against the big boys a lot, it's the you know, old biblical David and Goliath kind of story. It's like, well, you can take out the big boys just by being nimble, give you access to you. You know, if if you're going, and I'm not going to mention any big marketing names, 
if you're a client, the likelihood of you talking to the CEO of that organization is extremely slim unless you are dropping some significant money. And even then, that may not be a given. In this situation, depending on the size of your client's budget, you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to have access to you if they need to. And that's what people love. They love that access and they like to know the people they're working with. Yeah, they do. It was We got an RFP like a month ago from a really big organization. One of the questions in there was, outline the times that we'll get to talk to leadership. And my leadership and I team, my leadership team and I looked at that and thought, wait, when you work with a bigger organization, you'll have your like two or three scheduled meetings with leadership. You can talk to leadership whenever you want. Like we're not that big of a company. You're going to have leadership deeply involved in your project. So I think one reason that during the, especially that first few months of the pandemic, we didn't lose a single client is that people weren't just working with 3Owl. They were working with David and with Brandon and with Christian and people on our team who they knew and they loved. So I think that was really important is that it's people working with people. I think the other part of it that I've learned too is if you are a small business competing against the big boys, it doesn't mean that your ideas are small. You can still have the big ideas. You can still execute them. From the other side, if you have a client with a really, really big project, you can likely execute on it too. Um, you might have to look at growing your, your human power and more people on the team to execute on a project, but a great idea is not the result of more, uh, you know, more people in desks. And I really try to drive that point home in the book too. And whenever I have conversations with my clients, I tell them that we're intentionally small by design. That in no way limits our ideas. Our ideas are going to be big, if not bigger than um, the larger competition. And that's the thing. You, you have more agility. You have more ability to shift gears at any point to meet the ever-changing needs of clients. One of the things that I talked to people about over the last couple of years when everyone was trying to figure out how to work Zoom and remote meetings and uh, where are we going to work? When can we work together again? How is this all going to work? Is I kept hammering home, keep talking with your clients. Ask them what they need from you right now. Because if you make something and you deliver something to your client on a monthly basis, doesn't matter what it is, product or service, and that's been going on, check in with them. Do you still yeah. need this? Do you need to adjust the quantity? Do you need something completely different? Do you need this? What, what else do you need? And those organizations that took that advice, it would come back and they would say, you know what, that was brilliant. And all of a sudden we helped that customer kind of navigate through a challenging situation where they didn't have to lay people off or they minimized the number of layoffs and they were able to retool and they did the same thing for the clients that they served. So it had this really positive ripple effect that I really didn't think about at first. I just talk with your clients, but your clients have clients too. And it, it just kind of created this mindset of let's check in with the customer. What do they need from us right now? And and that, that's something you can do all the time. You don't have to wait for a pandemic for it. That's actually something that makes a lot of sense. And again, your organization and the organizations that are like your size that can do that easier because the big organizations love them. They employ a lot of people. They provide a lot of services, but they can't. That's a big boat and you can't turn that on a dime. It, just, it, it takes a lot of effort to even steer it a little bit differently where 
you know, a smaller organization can pivot. You get a big project, like, okay, we're going to need an extra 10 people. You go contract 10 people that are in the industry, you bring them on, they do the work, bang up job, everybody loves it, your business grows, and everybody's happy. And that, that gives you that flexibility where sometimes the big companies have to have meetings and meetings and meetings to determine, okay, where can we do this? It's like, it's already in your head because you never lose that entrepreneurial spirit when you are a smaller organization. I love what you said about just talk to your clients. And as simple as that is, there's no better way to do one. It's great for client retention, but more importantly, if you have an ongoing dialogue with your clients and you are an expert in a certain field, you're going to find ways to help them grow their business. And I always tell my team, if we can bring something, when, when, when we know something the client doesn't know and we bring it to the table, we make them look good. We make, we make our digital marketing, uh, VPs of digital marketing look awesome because we come to them with an idea and say, we have listened. We are hearing your pain points or we're hearing what your vision is. Here's something that just came out that we should try out. Here's a list of ideas that we have. I do that all the time. And sometimes they'll just say, hey, like not in budget this year. We love this idea. More, more importantly, thank you for listening to us. And that's what really keeps you around is thinking about your client beyond just the scope of the project. If it's truly, here's the scope, get it done, check off the box, it becomes so much more transactional, which is a much less sticky relationship compared to, I'm just going to, I know that when I talk to David or his leadership, they're going to say, we just tried something else out with another client. It worked really well. Let's try this out with y'all. We're excited about it. They look really good in front of their boss. It is our job to make our clients look like superstars in front of their leadership. So when you are a smaller team, take advantage of that too. Um, there's no better business development to do than within your own client base. And once you develop a relationship where they know you can execute, I start to see our clients give us first right of refusal on stuff that we don't even do. And sometimes I'll say, I'm sorry, like, we don't do PR. Thank you for asking us to do your PR. I know you love working with us. Here, here's a reference or a referral. But sometimes there's work that's right in our wheelhouse and they always come to you first because they just like working with you. They like the people that they get to work with. They know you'll execute. They'll know you'll level their idea up. So I'm totally with you there, Michael. That's number one way to keep your business strong. And again, it's always an opportunity too. And it sounds like your organization is amazing at this where that PR request came in. He said, oh, that's not something we do. If you constantly are getting that request, then it's something to consider saying, okay, what, what would benefit the organization and our clients if we had this offering? What would be the investment cost? What would be the yeah. opportunity cost? Not, you know, not, the op- not the cost of necessarily growing the business, but would this take away from us? And you know, my, um, my family, uh, father, grandfather, great-grandfather all worked for a big auto uh, sector organization outside of Detroit. Um, I, I won't mention their name because they're not a sponsorship, but it rhymes with GM. Anyway, GM historically has had this issue of trying to be the be-all and end-all to everything. In the 80s, they, were, they had DirecTV. They were buying all these different things, like, and the quality of their cars were just dropping because they lost their focus. And it sounds like your organization is very diligent on 
okay, we're getting a lot of these requests. Do we want to add this or do we want to continue to refer to our PR you know, colleagues that are really good at this? And you vet with them and you can work out a referral or agreement if you want. You know, that, that all works out great for two. But ultimately, it's and this is a problem I see with a lot of entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter what business they're in. They look at everything, go, oh, yeah, I could do that. I could do that. And you're like, okay, if you're saying yes to this, what are you saying no to? And it's a daily question you have to ask as an entrepreneur. Uh, and when you do that and you stay true to what you're really good at, you don't have to worry about business. Business is going to come to you. And it's obviously done that for you. I remember in the very early stages of my career, I said yes to almost everything. I don't regret it because I learned what I like to do. I learned what, what different offerings can connect and become an offering base. I've also, because I did a lot of them, I can speak to a photographer or a web developer, at least with some knowledge because I've done it before. I think early on, yeah, it's okay to say yes to more if you're trying to figure out exactly what you want to do, at least in my experience. I'm grateful I did that. Though I totally agree with you, Michael, once you have a more mature business, saying yes to something because it might add to your top line, it might totally not add to your bottom line because of the number of hours you'll have to build in new processes, onboard somebody new. It is so much easier for us to build a complex online ordering platform compared to getting, for example, a social media client. We'd have to build out the systems around it. We'd have to find the people. Ultimately, what we learned during the pandemic was if we have really good systems, if we can just plug a client into a process that we have built, we can execute really well. If we have a brand new offering where we have to build it out the system, you're kind of building a system in parallel with doing the project. You're messing up. You're not as efficient. So we do have a really great referral network. And I have folks that I've referred to now for five, six, seven years who send me work as well. They're partner agencies. I take that really seriously. I don't like saying no to people who reach out to us. It's the other part about being small. Like, well, yeah, we're small, but we're still, we're not cheap. So there's projects that are important to a small shop on Main Street that we just can't do. However, I make sure to have the people in my network who I can refer to. I think I just, I just care about the goodwill there. Um, and then there's other folks that, for example, do very intense data analytics. We don't do it. We've got a great partner and we're launching a product together with that partner now because we've got so many years that we worked with them. So it's also just a great excuse to meet other entrepreneurs and build relationships with them. There's no better way to build a relationship with an entrepreneur than to send them some work. I'll tell you that now. Um, it's been great. It's been a great way just to build a better entrepreneurial neighborhood through all those referrals. And when you do the work that you do and you continue to pay it forward by helping out other organizations and they turn around and refer people to you, that's how small business thrives. That's how business grows. That's how we make an impact in this world when we're all collaboratively working together for a greater good. So love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you, this awesome work, your book, and everything else you're doing? Yeah, two websites. Uh, if you want to check out our agency, it's 3OWL. That's the numeric 3OWL.agency. If you want to check out the book, it's smallbydesign.co. And that'll link you to all the places that you can buy it. Short summary of the book, a couple of articles related to the book as well. Awesome. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So David, continued success. And thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Great talking with you. 
Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.